following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. Um, I decided to bust out the stool this morning because I figured it's New Year's Day. We're going to kind of have a living room feel. Last, last week, we had a true living room feel. And let me tell you, it was, it was the perfect amount. Those of you celebrating Christmas, glad you got to do that. Those who were with us, it was the perfect home worship in that the dog was everywhere at all times. Uh, Seth did a great job letting the dog in and out um, because our dog, Gus, just can't decide anything. So he was in and around everyone the whole time. Um, we found out our presentation software, they just upgraded it, and they only let you put it on one computer now. So we'd be singing, and all of a sudden, the watermark would come right across the screen. Um, so we had people, you know, singing Christmas Sims and just throwing Pro Presenter into the middle of it, um, because that was popping up. Uh, there was a point where I hadn't communicated with Matt, who hadn't communicated with Chelsea, so I'm consecrating, and here comes the music that was going to be playing during communion in the midst of my consecrating the elements. So we re-consecrated the elements. And what I loved about it is it was church. <laughs> it was great. It was a lot of fun. We're going to be uh, probably continuing that trend because next year, Christmas Eve is a Sunday. So we'll tell you in about, you know, 10 months how we're going to plan that out and figure out how that's all going to work. And we we're just blessed to have you all with us for the Christmas season. Today, uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunities as a pastor on a Sunday that falls on New Year's Day. Do you dive into the new year, new you, right? Like, is that where you lean into? Um, there were quite a few sermons I saw today that were leaning that way. Um, you know, you could say, oh, what goals are we going to set? We might have some goal setting happen in this, but less goals, more habits. Instead, I decided this year, every once in a while we have one-off sermons. So um, we'll put together, we've got planned out through Lent, um, or up to Lent, I should say, our sermon series uh, for the year. We're going to be talking um, over the coming weeks after this. We're, we're going to be talking about salvation for three weeks. We're going to lean heavy gospel for three weeks. Then after that, we're going to dive into the book of Ruth, um, which is a great book of the Bible. So we're going to spend three weeks in the book of Ruth. And then we're at Lent already. And, and so we've got planned up to that point. And I decided, you know, when we've got kind of a week between there's not like a really good time to like, oh, we'll do a two-week series or whatever. I decided this year what we're going to do is we're going to do a series of one-offs throughout the year. And we're just going to call it Simple Discipleship. Simple Discipleship being this idea of we are all called to be disciples, right? So Matthew 28 tells us um, as Jesus is getting ready to ascend to heaven, go therefore making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we know that that, um, that going there in the Greek is an imperative. It's not a question mark. It's no go. As you are going, do this. So over the year, we're just going to talk about what, how we talk about discipleship here at Narrative. So we have a simple explanation of what a disciple is. And that is um, a person who trusts the promises of Jesus and seeks to follow him. This is a phrase I hope sticks in your mind. We say it um, often. And part of the reason we say it 
is every church is going to have kind of their own swing on this to help their folks connect. Uh, I had the opportunity to spend some time around the topic of discipleship with some other uh, church churches that are part of our church body, the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod, um, here in Texas, and had some great discussion. And what's great is you realize we're all saying the same thing with a little bit different language. But at narrative, we say, a disciple is a person who trusts the promises of Jesus and seeks to follow him. And we put that on a pathway, which is this very simple image here of this kind of Trinitarian look of trusting, seeking, and following. And we say this is a pathway because it starts at trusting, right? The, the reason we're a disciple is we're trusting those promises of Jesus. We do confession absolution every week because that is a promise of Jesus, that if you come and confess, he is good to forgive. Oftentimes it's easy for us to get mixed up and think, man, the, the starting point for discipleship is what I do. But instead we're saying, no, no, it's those promises of Jesus. It's trusting that what he said is true. That's where you're going to find your fuel. That's where you're going to find that power for the life of following Jesus. Now from there, we want to know more about him. We want to seek his ways and who he is. We want to grow in our understanding of that. And then we don't want our seeking to simply be an academic exercise. That doesn't mean we don't dive into the word in a way that understands it as a whole, that, that we learn and we grow, but it says in our seeking, that always ends up in following, in doing the things that Jesus did, in leading a life he has called us to lead both in seeking our um, living the way he called us to live and loving our neighbors, right? Following is those two things, love God, love others. That's it. Now, in between those things, we have connectors. Between trusting and seeking, we have three questions, which we'll talk about a little bit later here. Between seeking and following, we have prayer, which says, hey, we want to be in prayer as we follow the Lord it's not just us stepping out and going, I'm going to do it today, but saying, Lord, take me both where you need me to go and where you've already prepared places. And then finally, between following and trusting, because the pathway is a circle. We always come back. When we're, when we're weak in following and seeking, we come back to trusting. And so that's how it functions. But there's this idea of BLESS, which is how we talk about evangelism here. And BLESS is an acronym. And it's begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, and story. And we'll do more on that this year. Today, what I want to talk about is simple seeking. That I was thinking about, if I could talk about one thing as we start this new year, it would be, how do we seek the Lord simply? And to do that, and I asked permission for this, I want to talk about my niece, Violet. So here's a picture of Violet and her grandpa. So Violet, for Christmas, got a baseball glove. Love it. Violet, how do you feel about the baseball glove? Good. And it was cool because my sister, who has been around baseball her whole life but never really played baseball, is calling me going, okay, how do we do that? What do we need? What are the things? And it was really neat as I'm prepping my sermon, I'm then texting her going, hey, can I use Violet in my sermon? And we double-checked. Violet said yes. So we were good. 
But I was thinking through that process, and, and Anna, my sister, had sent this picture of Pops pitching to Violet to hit, and I thought, I remember all those lessons my dad taught me about baseball. Not only was it a father and son, but there was one point, how many seasons did you coach? Three or four? Too many is the look I'm getting. Not really. Um, but I remember the lessons. I remember how you snap your wrist, that when you start off, the first thing you do to warm up is you're just snapping your wrist, throwing a baseball, just snapping your wrist. And then you add in the swim and you throw, and I can do all of these things. I remember with a bat, you land the plane, right? You want to get onto a level field. Now things have changed. I think now we're swinging upwards to get more pop, and there's analytics and, you know, T-ball now, and it's all these things. But it was that process, I remember, that just seeing this picture that dad taught me, that his dad taught him, that now he's teaching Violet with this glove and this ball. It could be baseball. It could be cooking. It could be any of these things. And, and I use this example a lot, but it is, when we look at discipleship, it's those who have taught us and we teach it to others. And in the process, we practice it. Because I'll tell you what I couldn't do right now is throw a baseball in a straight line. Because it's been a minute. And in between throwing a baseball a lot and now, I played lacrosse. And the mechanics of throwing a lacrosse ball are very different than throwing a baseball. And when I first came to, to the Georgetown area to plant this church and our mother church faith, the first thing I did was I joined the men's softball team. And I remember it because it was great because I came in the middle of the summer, but I wasn't installed for about six weeks. So I just played softball. Ryan was a part of that team. Derek Mathis was a part of that team. And it was so great because I remember Derek walking up to me. The Like we played on Mondays or Thursdays. I can't remember which, but Derek walks up to me the the day after this whatever the day of week it was after I'd been installed he goes you didn't tell us you were the new pastor and I was like hey I mean you guys all behaved yourself so it was fine but I remember picking up a softball and I loved playing softball and I remember picking it up though and it just being the wonkiest throw and I was like I know how to do this like I've played softball I've played baseball but what happens is when I rest on those mechanics lacrosse, which was the last sport I played really competitively in high school, all my muscle memory goes back to lacrosse. And with a lacrosse stick, it's a flick like this. And so my arm moves like this instead of like this. And so I, the first time I threw a baseball, I was like, these guys are going to cut me from the team. Like this is men's church softball. And they'll be like, hey, it was great having you, but like, don't come back. Luckily, they let me stay. I played catcher. So I wasn't having to make like some insane throws. There were no steals happening. Like, that's if you're ever playing softball in a league, they go, you'll be a great catcher. That's them communicating to you. We're glad you're here and we won't kick you off the team. I got better. It's okay. It's all right. But all that to say, it's the same thing with discipleship, right? As we learn, as we grow, we want to keep that muscle memory because other muscle memory will build up and take that place, right? As we teach, as we grow, as we do those things, we keep the basics going because it builds on each other. And so as we talk today about simply seeking, my encouragement as we start a new year is to say, 
how are we going to be in Scripture this year? So let's look at Colossians. And if you have a Bible with you, if you have an app, we are going to be in Colossians 3 exclusively today. Colossians 3, 1 through 16. I know a lot of times I jump you around. You're like, I'm not getting out the app because pastor's going to go here and then he's going to go there. Colossians 3 is where we are today. So we're going to break it down into three sections. We're going to go 1 through uh, 7, and then we're going to go 8 through 15, and then we're going to look specifically at verse 16. So here, um, the writer is writing, he says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So here in this moment, he's saying, all right, listen, if you're alive in Christ, if you've been redeemed, if you've been raised, seek those things. Seek after the things of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not the things on earth. Now, don't think of this as everything on earth is bad, right? That's a temptation we can fall into. That's an ancient heresy we call Gnosticism. It has a G at the beginning, so enjoy learning that. But Gnosticism is this idea that says the spiritual is greater than the physical. But we know that when God creates, he creates physical and spiritual, and he says it is good. So when you see a writer in Scripture talking about the flesh or about, um, you know, right here, leaving the things of earth, not the things of earth, but there's, think not about the physical world, but about the things that would tempt us temporally, right? The things that would tempt us here. So when he's saying to leave those things behind, he's not saying, listen, what you need to do is forget all this earthly mumbo-jumbo. You need to learn some way to ascend and be spiritual, and that's all you need to care about. No. That's not what we're talking about. Look at how poorly that ended for the Jedi. Very bad. That was my nerdy joke of the day. I apologize. But there's this moment where he says, okay, focus on those things. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So it's this refocusing on identity. Not of the things of earth, not of the sinful self but of being made alive in Christ. And then he says, here are the things you need to put to death. These are the earthly things. So he goes back. Listen, you want to know specifically what we're talking about here. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Listen, we could stop there and spend six weeks on each of those. But what the writer does here is he covers all of those things. If you're trying to find a loophole for your sin, he's going, no, here it is. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. It's easy for us to talk a lot about the love of God, but a good love has wrath in it. What do I mean by that? Think about when you look at someone you care for and you love, if they are doing something that is destroying them, You want to destroy that thing. So too with God when he views our sin. He says, listen, I want to destroy that thing. And so there is wrath connected with this. And these two you once walked 
when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. So here we have the sins, and here we have then the fruit of those sins. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. You put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the Creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but all is Christ and all. But Christ is all and in all. So I just jumped ahead. Will, could you take me back to the first slide? I apologize. Just kept reading the Bible, guys. In these two you once walked, you were living in them. I want you to hold on to that thought process. That we have the potential to walk in these sins. That they so have taken over us that we, not only do we do them, but we are walking that pathway. All right, back to 7 through, or 8 through 15. I love this verse. Here there is not Greek. This is verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So here we talk about the sinfulness, those things that can happen, but then we're all together in this. There could be a temptation to read the first half here of Colossians 3 and think... There is hopelessness. There's no way we are all walking in these sins. But no, instead he says, listen, no, we're all in this together. And in fact, the truth of the body of Christ is that in our uniqueness, we are all brought together. Because what this doesn't do is deny uniqueness. He says, listen, there's not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised. Because it says, listen, there's still those people. But in fact, even within that, we are all in Christ. So there is hope for us. Even as we read through these things, we're supposed to leave behind as we walk in Christ. Now here we are looking and saying, but now we are all together walking in this way. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 1 through 15, feels like the most, one of the hardest, sections of scripture. Because here, not only is the writing, leave behind these things that you want to do, leave behind your old ways, those ways that are natural to you in a fallen world, but also, by the way, do these right things. Do the things that don't come naturally. Do the things that come from the Spirit of God. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Forgiving one another. And it seems an impossible task. How do we leave behind and grow in these things? And I love that the Lord, in His Word, brings it to this. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let me read that again. Let the Word of Christ dwell 
in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The simplest step to seeking the Lord is reading his word. That whole 1 through 15 was all following. How do you follow God? You do these things. You don't do these things. How do you have the power of it? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You seek after him. I saw yesterday on Twitter um, a guy I follow uh, who's a seminarian. He's in, I think he's in England right now studying to get his doctorate because he's a lot smarter than me. But he retweeted someone, another pastor who's on a more progressive end of Christianity, who's like had these seven steps. And he's like, if you are going to start the new year with a Bible reading goal, don't do it. Here are seven reasons why. And this guy retweeted it. And I just responded to, to the guy I follow. I was like, well, that's my entire sermon tomorrow. Now, the guy, the guy he was retweeting, his point was like, what he was trying to say and saying poorly was, um, be doers of the word, not hearers only, which is scriptural. But he did it stupidly. Foolishly. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. As we... Let the word of the Lord work on us. It changes how we follow. That as we walk in this world, the greatest asset we have as we seek Jesus is his word. And so my encouragement to you in this new year, because it's arbitrary, right? I was telling folks as we were getting ready this morning, our setup crew, I was like, listen, I didn't realize it was New Year's Eve till about 10 o'clock last night. Like, that's how, like, like everything has been thrown off for me. That it was like 10 o'clock, I was like, oh, yeah, like, it's a new year tomorrow. And it's, I mean, it, it's a new year, but it's just kind of this arbitrary. It's midnight. Okay, here we are, 2023. Maybe it'll be a little better than 22. Going to be worse than 2020. He said, hopefully. But... It's a great time, even in its arbitrary change of the calendar, for us to look and say, okay, what's something I can do? I'm not big into resolutions because I'm the guy that's like, here are my resolutions, like three days later. Eh, that worked well for, you know, the first. Instead, here's my encouragement to say, pick up a habit. If you already have a habit of being in the Word, that's awesome. You're just getting a reassurance of you doing the right thing. But I also want to look at this and say, and encourage you to be like, there's so many great ways you can do this now. Will, can you pop up the steps, the how here? First, find a plan that works. You have at your home, in your hand possibly, in your pocket, the computing power that could get us to Mars. And with that Google device, you can search Bible reading plans. 
and there are thousands, if not millions out there, I would say please make sure, like, find something good theologically. Like, don't jump off the deep end. But um, the Bible app, Uversion, they have a ton of great plans. Um, you can also hop on um, the Lutheran Hour does great morning devotions that are very scripturally based. Um, I love and have used before, and I think I'm going to use again this year, uh, Bible Project. We use their videos all the time. They now have built out plans. Um, some are read through the Bible in the whole year. Some are thematic. Some are like, they have options now. So their app is incredible. You can go old school and like buy a paper devotional. They still print books. It's crazy. Um, Seth was unaware of that. He had forgotten. Um, uh, I love, we have them, and we probably need to order the new set. Um, exactly. Uh, Portal of Prayers is a great, good morning devotion that our church body puts out. Um, but a way to start, and maybe it's not start, maybe you end your day in the Word. I'm not going to be here to contain you to say, you have to pick a part of the day. I like doing it in the morning. I'm a morning person. That's what I do. But find a plan. If you haven't signed up for our Monday emails, this is a great time to do that because tomorrow's email will have lists of plans that you can do. You just click on them. You don't even have to go to Google. I will do the Googling for you. I will be your professional Googler. Find a plan. Now, the next thing, when I remember when I talked about those three questions, these are not holy. These are not direct from Scripture. This is a learning tool. So our three questions are this. What is God saying? When we read that, we don't want to just read the Bible and say, this is what I think about it. We want to go, no, what's God saying? If you want deeper resources, my job as pastor is to be like a librarian who talks from the front a lot. Like if you go, hey, I'm reading through this book of the Bible and, and I'm looking for more. Listen, I could do simple and we can find a Bible project video. We can find some stuff like that. Or I can go, listen, if you want a commentary and you want to read through a commentary, I can, I can give you the list of commentaries that work well and you will deep dive that book of the Bible. Um, what is God calling me to do? We want to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Now, sometimes what is God calling me to do is nothing. He might be calling you to take a nap, to rest. He might be calling you to talk to a neighbor. He might be calling you to look at your own life and say, Lord, I need to follow you more. But it's saying, if this word is living and active, what is it doing in my life? And then finally, what's my next step? And this is the hardest one because it's saying, okay, I know what God's calling me to do. Now, how do I do it? And this, as we've walked through this um, over the years at Narrative, I've realized this is the hard question. What is the next step? Because it's looking and formulating and saying, what is one thing I can do to live this word out, to follow Jesus. This is a movement of seeking to follow. Now, sometimes it's just rejoicing in the, in the word of the Lord. Sometimes it's more than that, but just keep it simple. What is one step? So read with those three questions in mind. 
And finally, don't do it alone. Be a disciple. Live that in your life. You are that. When you are bought at a price in your baptism, when you are sealed to the Lord, you are a disciple. You don't need any more certification, so be a disciple. Share with others. The book of Revelation tells us spiritual warfare in one verse. They overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, by sharing what God is doing in their lives. So don't be alone. Share what God's doing in your life with someone at church, with a coworker, with another brother or sister in Christ. And then finally, invest in making disciples. Help others. They could be your kids, they could be your friends, they could be your family. Invest in others. Encourage that. Ask them to read Scripture alongside you. It could be any relationship you have, but invest in that discipling process. One thing I've heard a lot when we talk about discipleship is not just be a disciple, but it's who is discipling you and who are you discipling? So invest that in others. So here would be my prayer for you with this simple seeking in this new year. Find a plan. Walk through the questions. Be a disciple. Again, that'll be going out tomorrow in the email. So if you're not signed up for emails, you can do that on our website. Or you can come talk to me. We can walk through it. But that's the simple new year message for you. Invest in the word and watch what God does. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks that as disciples, you've called us to strengthen those basics. Lord, to grow in the fundamentals of the faith. So we pray that in this new year, you would help us build a habit. If we already have it, help us strengthen it. If we are starting it, Lord, help it to grow of being in your word daily, abiding in the good news of Jesus for us. Lord, these things we pray in your son, Jesus' name. Amen.